Welcome to the Hallam Paul with extra pauses log. What makes you say there'll be extra pauses? I just did an extra pause there because I completely forgot the name of our own podcast. Oh, excellent. Well, that's good. Mm. Nice to know that we're at least committed to this uh, whole endeavour. <laughs> well, we're both extremely tired, yet like true pros, rather than lie down in a darkened room with a flannel across our faces and our lovely wives to fan those particular flannels with some cool air, we are here instead to bring to you Log Love. Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm actually lying in bed right now with a flannel over my face and just, you know, idly doing this on the phone. Oh, right. OK, well, that's fair enough. I'm actually at work, having just uh, produced a three-hour radio show, which was also part of uh, Radio 1's 10-hour takeover, having the oh, night yeah. before hosted uh, <laughs> hosted an event for 14 hours where I was on stage introducing bands. And I'm I'm extremely tired. Yeah, well, I imagine you are. I got back from London last night at about 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, having... Well, we set off to London and ended up getting so held up that it took us 10 hours uh, to get there on Saturday. We then had to turn around and we we caught the 10 o'clock train out of uh, King's Cross last night and got back at about 2 o'clock this morning. So I only got up about 10 minutes ago. So if I'm coughing, yawning, spluttering and generally making other bodily noises, uh, I will apologise in advance, but it almost certainly will happen. Now, seriously, you know, next time you're down south, you need to tell me. If I popped up to Newcastle, I'd probably say, hey... Yeah, that's true, but uh, we weren't anywhere near you, really, and we were there on a very brief... You definitely uh, weren't near me, because I was in Salisbury yesterday, so you, were, yeah, exactly. you led off that one. <laughs> Thanks very much, mate. All also, right. I'm, not, I'm not that bothered about no, seeing okay. you anywhere, you know. I could tell. So, uh, Paul Stavely and Hal Stewart's having a bit of a marital dispute there, uh, but we will take it from <laughs> a less incestuous nature, and instead, into the world of football. If you've never listened to the Hal and Paul football log before, uh, well, will you again? That's the big question. Uh, basically, <laughs> we cover... Welcome, by the way. Sorry? Welcome, by the way. Yeah, yeah welcome. Maybe a brief visit. Welcome all new ones. Join in. There's always room at the back. Uh, we will be discussing today all the most important footballing issues, including the most expensive prize at the end of the carrots, which uh, they say is an estimated £90 million. We are, of course, talking about the Championship playoff final. Reading against the Swans. Paul, what are your thoughts? You know mine already on a Welsh team being promoted into the top flight. Uh, what are your particular thoughts on this game and, and who you'd like to see promotion? Well, I, I agree with you in, in almost every way, which is that I don't have a particular problem per se with Welsh teams being in the English league, so long as it's um, a unilateral decision. Not just cherry-picking three that we like the names of. Exactly, and it kind of goes with this thing about um, putting Celtic and Rangers in there as well. Uh, you know, it's very, very patronising to the rest of the leagues, and it may well be that the rest of the teams aren't that good. And we know that that's obviously the case in Scotland. And I know we, I know we joke about Scotland, but obviously Rangers and Celtic are, you know, a cut above every other side in there. But that does that necessarily mean that they should be taken out to give the, you know, will it mean would it mean as much winning the SPL to a team where? When, when Rangers and Celtic had been taken out of it. Mm, it's a good point. So, and also, if we introduced the Scottish teams, would we also have to introduce the Northern Irish teams? Well, yeah, exactly. So it is a case of, you know, does it end up becoming a state of proliferation where we've instead of 92 clubs, we've got every last club in a great British league, which would be interesting to a certain degree, I guess. But, you know, like you say, cherry picking is, not, um, is never a pretty sight, really, and it does mean that teams are going to lose out. But... Um, and that being said, I, I don't really have anything you know against Swansea per se. I've I've actually been there. It's the only place in Wales I've ever been, um, and, and they, they were horrible, horrible actually. So I do have something <laughs> against Swansea now. I think about it. They were foul to us. Well, Reading is not exactly uh, uh, sort of the nicest. I mean, visually, uh, it's not the most stunning. No, well, a, a good friend of mine and, and logger uh, Gemma, she used to live in Reading, and she actually got shot 
at. She didn't get sh- she didn't get hit, but her car window got put through by a bullet in Reading when she used to live there. And uh, I once went on a training course there for about four days. And um, while they had some very nice uh, things on the Sainsbury's delicatessen counter, that was about all I could recommend. When that when that's the thing you can recommend most about a place, you got to say there's uh, there's trouble at the mill. But uh, of course, we have a personal reason for supporting Reading. My my good friend friend of the log. And occasional online FIFA punching bag, Jess Charman, uh, England's future number one, is a big Reading fan. She's there at Wembley as we speak. In fact, she's already arrived for the uh, for the game. She's looking forward to that. So I guess for her sake, I, if I had to pick somebody I wanted to see go up, it'd be Reading. And they've of course had a, a great run of form towards the end of the season. They really kind of yeah. The only team in. that beat them was Sheffield United. It's interesting though, because I mean, for me, there's a, there's only one player called Hal in professional football in the United Kingdom, and he plays yeah. for Reading. But there's only one player that looks like Hal. Leon Britton, <laughs> and he plays for Swansea. I mean, I'm torn. Yeah, well, I imagine. I mean, you've got to feel a certain degree of sympathy for the for the guy who looks like Hal. So maybe <laughs> we should back. You know, maybe we should back him at hey, least if he could. Jamie play in the Pollock's not playing for either of them. No, that's true. I saw a, I saw that picture of him that we always said was the one that looked like me the other day, and and it really does. No, it really does. Is that the one where he's sort of wiping his greasy hair back? Well, I don't want to talk about that. No. Uh, actually, interesting as well, the, the, the Nations Cup nonsense that we had with every uh, British team except for uh, England involved, that was as, as well attended as a women's match. Uh, what went on with that? Well, I mean, it's, um, it's again, it's the same sort of thing, isn't it? You know, if you're going to do something, you've got to do it properly. And, um, and, and they obviously haven't. So I think apparently there were less than, there were more people at the last Guardian podcast recording, which was live at the Emirates, than there were at the Wales Northern Northern Ireland match, and while that not in itself isn't massively surprising, when you stop and think about, you know, the the scale of that, you know, there were less than five hundred people there. I haven't actually seen that as an official figure, but no, it is. Been, I think it's five hundred twenty nine. But doesn't that make you twenty nine? Sorry, yeah. Doesn't that just make you sort of sit back and say, well, it's all about for all these other nations, it's all about hating England, and if they're not involved, they're not interested. Yeah, well, I thought it was you know nice to see that even in a week of home nations, somebody still stole the nets from Wembley, uh, even though we weren't playing. So that you know that brought back memories for our older loggers, perhaps of the seventies, and for us memories of watching the seventies on telly. And do you think we have any old loggers? Uh, no, no, I I sort of concur with that uh, entirely. Yeah. I'm not sure we have I'm not sure we have any at all at the moment. We um, we're we're down on downloads actually, believe it or not. So we're getting no, I, I believe it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. So we are actually getting less popular as uh, as time goes by, which is a bit unfortunate, I think. No, no, I think it it stands to reason actually because we, because one of us has moved selfishly um, for professional reasons. I think the recording now, the way we do, it probably does maybe one or two people it probably alienates them slightly, and they you know they know that we're not in the same room, and that's that's a shame. You see, the problem with this one is because we're because we're doing this thing where we're, we're recording each other, it will sound more like we're in the same room, but you and I can't magic up that chemistry where we pretend we're in the same room because we don't lie to people. We're not like that. Um, we, we, I mean, we do have 15 million listeners a month, but we wouldn't lie to any of them. That's the important thing. And so even though it, it sounds much more clear now, I think, uh, than, than previous Skype blogs have done, we still can't, you know, we're, we're not going to pretend that we're right next to each other. My, my, my uh, you know, it's like having my right arm chopped off. And thanks for doing that for me. No, it's no, no problem, mate. I thought that, you know, I'd make it visual as well. Uh, with our 16 million listeners, are we just going to put our hands together in the middle of the table here, metaphorically, as I've already mentioned, physically not there, and say that we are stamping our nail to the mast, all these are not real sayings, uh, and Reading are going to win the playoff final? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to say Reading 3-1 and uh, maybe a, a Hal robson Carnu hat-trick. Nice. I'm going with 1-0. Uh, it's going to be a Leon Britton own goal. <laughs> and then with people an will say, Hal just look at his face. And I'll be saying I can't help it. Uh, do it even when I go to the toilet at halftime. 
we've also got as well congratulations to Stevenage clinching promotion to League One. I'm pleased about that because now it's now just down the road. Another game I can go to. Uh, yep. Brilliant. And yesterday, what a surprise. Uh, I say a surprise. Maybe it shouldn't have been. Fergie's young lad, Darren, who, who looks like that fella from uh, that League of Gentlemen. Uh, yeah, he, he does. He really does, doesn't he? Alice Clam. Yeah. He would probably given a bit of VIP treatment, wouldn't you have thought? I would imagine so, yeah. Home dressing room, you know, all the mod cons. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe they just saw, you know, manager Ferguson and just thought, all right, we better, you know, we think the roll refs, out of the barrel. The ref probably saw that. Where are we? Old Trafford. Who's the manager? Ferguson, crikey. How many penalties yeah. should I be giving? And uh, how much extra time need I add on? It didn't, of course, make any difference in the end. 3 0 to Peterborough beating Huddersfield there. Real surprise. And Lee Clark, a former favourite of the, uh, the Geordie fans, and indeed for yeah. a short time, the Mackhams. Are you sort of mm. quite sad to see that that team now will probably be. Uh, dissembled, for want of a better word. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, we were saying on the other log that we sort of hoped that um, Peter might, might pull it out of the bag, and, and unfortunately, well, uh, that wasn't to be. I mean, it, it was quite, it was quite a quick run of goals as well, wasn't it? It was nil nil to about seventy fifth minute, I think, mm. and suddenly in ten minutes they scored three goals. So you know, it's heartbreaking for them. And like you say, that you get to a point in a season where, uh, but you know, at a certain point, you realise that the team is going to be disassembled for next year, and, and I think a lot of the fans. Hope that that will be obviously um, prolonged as long as possible or postponed uh, completely. And, and now you've got to look at Huddersfield and teams like you know in the Premiership, obviously Blackpool as well. It's um, it's bound to happen, and there's a sad kind of inevitability to it. I think. Yeah, Lee Clark has said to the directors, you know, we've got to keep this squad together. Ian Holloway has sort of admitted on the Old Trafford pitch, this team will now probably you know dissipate, and it and it won't be the same. There's uh, rumours today that David Vaughan is considering a move to Sunderland now. David Vaughan, uh, factually the slowest winger ever, but actually a very good player. He's played in uh, in Spain with uh, Real Sociedad when uh, Chris Coleman was there. I really liked him in the Premiership. I thought he looked like a top player. I thought, I thought Gary Taylor-Fletcher looked like he'd really come leaps and bounds since I saw him playing for Huddersfield. He really does look like quite a good player. But I expect this Blackpool team, and also DJ Campbell particularly, uh, to move on. We all know Charlie Adams going to go. Do you think Charlie's still going to go to Liverpool, or has he missed the boat there? Well, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it, he's looking at a different manager now, but he's still got um, he's still got something that you know Liverpool need, I think, which is which is his kind of player. Um, obviously, they they had a they had a really strong end to the season, but you've only got to look at the way he performed and and Taylor Fletcher as well. I mean, you know, he didn't just flat track bully and score against lower sides. He got a good, really good record against the top teams. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible and, you know, to think actually. What I liked about the Blackpool journey and why I love them to stay up is it was a collection of lower league players who'd worked their way up and yeah. finally got their chance, and it was refreshing to see. It was, and it was, it was, um, you know, even though I think the press and certainly, you know, I was probably guilty of it, and, and many people were patronising them, you know, about oh look at plucky little Blackpool, but actually, like you say, you know, they they'd worked extremely hard to get there, and they didn't. Um, although they ended up being relegated, obviously they. Um, Gave a really good account of themselves, and certainly Charlie Adam kind of, you know, it wasn't just a case of the occasional pass that looked quite decent, and people saying, "Oh, look at him, he could play for Liverpool." You have to say the way he performed over the season, he really um, is a player capable of maybe not, maybe not top four quality. I don't know, but he's certainly got more in his locker than than playing in the Championship. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see him at Liverpool. But then there's rumours that Ashley Young's on his way to Man United, and maybe Aston Villa might look for. Somebody like Adam to take Good the place shout. on the left, yeah, and maybe that would be a, a more suitable club for him. I don't, I don't really know. I, I think it would to... be, especially they've not they've lost Lionel Rio Coca. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Well, he's been just, released. They just they just dropped him, didn't they? Well, they've released John Carew off the stuff. Yeah, they've released ten players. It really, really surprised me that uh, some. I mean, Rio Coca has only gone back into the side 
this season, really, if we still call it this season rather than last yeah, season, sure. 30 games I think he ended up playing. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's had a funny old career, really. He's, he's Despite having been a pretty good player, he doesn't seem to have quite stamped his you know authority on any side yet. He, he seems to recall him doing well for West Ham as well, but again, never really um, making himself a presence in the team. And sort of seem to have bounced around a little bit from club to club, and you know maybe maybe Stoke will be the place he finds his his, his home. I don't know. I mean, it's, well, uh, one player yeah. who has made his stamp on one or two other professionals in the game, be it with either a cigar <laughs> or his studded boots, is uh, the lovable scamp Joey Barton. Uh, yes, he wants to scamp? stay at your club. I mean, you know, you're renowned for you're sort of the second West Ham, aren't you? You just kind of keep the thugs going. Um, you a fan of Joey's work? Well, I I am and I'm not. The, the problem is that. Despite all, I mean, you know, obviously, I don't in any way condone the things he's done uh, off the pitch in his in his life, and the pretty um, shocking reading a lot of them make. But and when he signed for us, I was pretty annoyed about it, really, because I didn't really want somebody with that kind of uh, track record uh, pulling on the shirt again. Yeah, but uh, that being said, it is it's impossible to deny that he's he's played extremely well for us. He's been a really really important player for Newcastle. So. You know, in terms of on the pitch, I guess he he has been a really valuable addition to the team. Uh, but apparently, well, he's been all over Twitter on it this week. I don't know if you've if you've followed him on Twitter, but he's uh, probably going to get in trouble for that as well because he's saying um, that basically the club uh, aren't offering him a new contract. They want to buy uh, a younger uh, player, but they don't want to spend any money or pay any wages. Um, he wants to stay, but his hands are tied. Um, and uh, but he said he gets on really well with the manager. He likes the dressing room. He wants to stay, and he'll do everything in his power to bring a trophy to St James's next season. And apparently, get Newcastle back where they belong, which is in the top five. And that that made me uh, lol just a little bit. I think the official uh, youth term is. And um, I was asking our listeners on on Facebook and Twitter what they thought Newcastle belonged in the top five of. And um, some of the answers weren't particularly uh, pleasant. For example, Dan Bond uh, saying top five clubs who shouldn't even be in the Premiership uh, was the one that uh, stuck with me the most. He said that, I think we both agreed that Wigan were top of that list, <laughs> but uh, that Newcastle might be in that top five. So yeah, I don't know what idiot Newcastle fans are uh, suggesting that we do belong in the top five of the Premiership, but uh, obviously Joey wants to try and make that happen. But whether or not he'll get the contract, you know, this is the thing, it's always this thing of, you know, oh, I want to stay, it's not my fault, my hands are tied, but... In actual fact, if the rumours are true, and I, I don't know whether they are, but if the rumours are true that he's asking for upwards of £120,000 a week, are his hands really that tied? I mean, I don't know how many other clubs are going to pay that kind of wage to him. No. So, I mean, maybe they will, but we'd have to, unless he went back to Man City, um, not many clubs would break that kind of wage barrier for a player like Joey Barton, who's 28 now, so obviously approaching arguably his peak years, but also you know the last four or five useful years of his career. Yeah, I have to agree. Also, though, youth players up and down the land who happen to get their eyes in the way of any cigar will be pleased to know that Joey Barton's hands are tied. <laughs> uh, we move on to other news. Uh, I suppose yeah. you, you might have noticed that um, there was a massive game on Saturday that just just caught the nation. And, uh, you know, as we've already mentioned, well done to Stevenage and uh, well done as well to Barcelona, who uh, beat yes. Manchester United and they didn't just beat them. No, no, they, they didn't, didn't just beat them, did they? they? It was it was also actually quite embarrassing as I was watching it with a, a large group of Manchester United fans, and uh, they had their heads in their hands at times. It was just an ex- yeah. an exhibition, wasn't it? Well, it, um, when when we arrived in London, the, the streets were packed with supporters uh, of both sides, actually, 
They seem to be quite good-natured, although... Um, I, can I edit this out later? Can I be bothered to edit it out if I tell you the full thing? No. We arrived at a pub to um, to get some food, because obviously having been on a train for 10 hours, we were a bit peckish. And as we arrived, there were five or six Barcelona fans inside the pub we could see, and there were these four Man United fans leaving, obviously very, very cross. And uh, one of them turned around to the woman at the bar, who must have been all of 19 years old and just you know doing what the manager had told her to do, and shouted, uh, F off, you effing knob as loud as he could before leaving. Funnily enough, the Barcelona fans seemed a lot more, you know, uh, cultured than that. And it's not like Manchester to give themselves a bad name outside of their um, own borders. But, uh, yeah, the, then the game began. They were they were very full of the joie de vivre and how this year was going to be different and how they were going to beat Barcelona. And for the first 45 minutes, it was relatively even. I mean, I know Barcelona scored first, but obviously Man United came back into it. They both had periods of pressure, and it looked like it might be a really good game. But the second half was just uh, mesmerising stuff, but it was awful to watch as a, if you were rooting for Man United, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It was sort of painful, even just as an England fan, just wanting yeah. to see the English team do well. But, you know, there's another side of everyone, I think, who sort of loves the way Barcelona play with that flair. And apart from Busquets, I think we all admire pretty much every player. I think that's it. And, and the thing is that, you know, after the bad press they got for the Real Madrid games, which was, you know, it was more directed at Madrid, I think, but there was a certain degree of vitriol aimed at players like Dani Alves and certainly Busquets, who deserves every uh, every bit of it, uh, for their kind of antics, you know. And there was a lot less of that on display. It was quite funny, actually, that the first b- uh, mention Busquets had was going down, holding his head, but then you saw the replay and it turned out Carrick had welted the ball at his face, which it actually made me just giggle a little bit. Um, that, that that had happened but you know last laugh I guess uh, goes to old Sergio Biscuits and, and also great I mean you know partly a great PR move but also a genuinely nice thing to see was was giving Eric Abidal the, the captain's armband to lift the trophy and I think you know in a lot of people's eyes the way Barcelona played and the way they conducted themselves even th- though they stole the nets which I still don't quite understand. No it's a bit weird they've got a As, few medals yeah. in a cup haven't they what more do they want? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And uh, but it does, you know, it has rebuilt their um, kind of reputation, I think, in a lot of people's eyes. And it was it was a great it was a great display and a wonderful, um, you know, a wonderful lesson in the in the art of football as well as it. Considering as well that they were playing Barcelona and have been for the last few weeks. I know Puyol made a bit of an effort in the last week without any recognisable centre backs. And it seems that their squad is, as you've spoken about before, is thread thin. You know, another couple of injuries, let's say Abidal and Mascherano. Yeah. You're really you're scraping your head to say, well, that's not a saying, is it? But you're scratching your head to say, uh, who's going to play centre back? And I tell you what, they have to purchase uh, a, a proper centre back to partner PK if Puyol's injury and indeed his age is not yeah. going to be on his side. I think they need a Chiellini, someone like that. Well, because they spent about twenty million quid on that Chigrinsky, didn't they? And he it didn't work right, out. But he didn't work out eventually. And um, but I mean, this is it's worth pointing out that the last two Champions Leagues they've won have been with only one recognised centre-back playing, you know, and, and and that just goes to show, I mean, really, you know, there comes a point where you think if if a front line like Rooney and Hernandez can't trouble Mascherano, who's playing as a centre-back, you know, you've got to look at, I mean, partly it speaks volumes to Barcelona's unity and their ability and that kind of sense of total football, I guess, but also... Um, it just makes you think if you've been beaten twice by a team who've got somebody out of position, you've got to think how would you know how would Darren Fletcher or Michael Carrick have done at centre back against their forwards? Oh, very good point. In fact, we'll we'll speak with uh, Stephen Decuto with our special interview in a moment. We'll also talk about Danny Wilson. But uh, before we move any further, did you hear Gary Neville say that uh, Gerard Piquet is not a natural defender? I did. <laughs> yeah, I did. Is that going to come back to haunt him a bit? Like uh, I think we said, Glenn Hoddle was uh, was it Michael Owen? He was saying wasn't a natural goal scorer. Yeah, um, it, it was. 
it was a strange moment, I thought, because um, Gary Neville's got, quite famously got this thing about if you leave Manchester United, you're dead to him. Well, apart and, from know, David Beckham, clearly. Well, apart from David Beckham, yeah. But there was quite a famous uh, scene when Peter Schmeichel went to Man City and the first time he was back at Old Trafford and Gary Neville was captain, he went to shake his hand and Gary Neville refused, you know. Mm. And he said afterwards, oh, well, you know, it's all about United and I don't care if you play for somebody else. But I thought, well, that's a little, you know, that is Peter Schmeichel you're talking about. But... Um, and and PK obviously only played twenty odd times for for Man United, but he he really has blossomed. I mean, I've also heard him described as the next Beckenbauer, which I think might be pushing it. But I think to say he's not a natural defender after the way uh, the way in which he plays the game, uh, I think is um, you know a little bit short sighted. But well, maybe that's actually why they're relating him to Beckenbauer because Beckenbauer could play easily between midfield and defence, and also behind defence, and to yeah. take the ball and play with it. Well, he, he he sort of you know invented well to a certain degree invented the role of the sweeper, didn't he? But then you think about Piquet's goal for Barcelona in the uh, Champions League semi final against Inter at the new at uh, the new camp, and that was you know that was a really skilled goal. Yeah, he, he obviously has got a lot of skill. He he plays the sort of passes often, the long sort of raking Hollywood passes that Rio Ferdinand's always trying. Um, but Piquet's often find their target. You know, it's a it's a real interesting com- you know contrast. I love the saying the, uh, Hollywood videos. passes. Can you imagine a feature film? Opening to the Yanks, <laughs> just featuring a collection of long-range passes. I don't think yeah, it would go down well. I must say, um, I was talking to uh, Logger Chris this weekend and, and saying somebody had sent me a video on YouTube of the best of David Beckham crossing because I'd said something about I could watch David Beckham cross the football all day long and that was obviously a bit of hyperbole there because I don't think I probably could. But he sent this video and it was about 15 minutes long and I thought, well, obviously I'm not going to watch all of this. But, but I, I did. did. I watched every last minute of it. It was absolutely beautiful to watch. So, you know, maybe that would be a little a limited market, perhaps, limited release, but it would uh, maybe catch the yeah. eye of some Who would Who would there. star in our uh, feature film Hollywood Passes? I've got, I've got Morgan Freeman down um, wearing the number four jersey. Okay, you've already you've already got him signed up. Yeah, you? he's already agreed to the part. Yeah. Okay, so we need Sylvester Stallone and Pele, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Uh, I'm thinking to... Keanu Reeves. Uh, it's got oh, the looks. Yeah. Of, it's got the looks of a striker, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, Jessica Biel. Yes. Um, could play the role of uh, Beckham. I don't know. Yeah, David Beckham. Yeah. yeah, she's got the flowing locks and the uh, feminine charm. Yeah, I like it. And we'll get uh, Darren Ferguson. He can be the German manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You've got to have yeah, we'll do that. Yeah. Um, I that's, like that's it. an interesting shout, yeah. yeah. You could maybe have Jose Mourinho in there somewhere as just somebody who's a bit kind of grumpy. And I think we'll get Chris Agabusi to play PK. Nice, yeah, that would be perfect. Perfect. And also, actually, we could go with Harry Redknapp's slightly strange analogy about Messi, that he looks like he should be on a park bench somewhere. I, I don't know what he's talking about, and I'm not sure he does either, but he uh, he was part of ITV's dream team um, for the for the final. And, and he, yeah, he, he said, oh, yeah, like I said the other day, or oh, actually, he said, "Well, yeah, like I said the other day, um, he looks like he should be on a park bench." I, I don't really get that, but we can have Messi as you know, local homeless child. Um, I would, and- actually, it was interesting to see on Soccer AM. Uh, I'd love if they did more of this because Soccer AM's totally lost something for me. But they brought I was back. Going to say when, when you say uh, it was interesting to see on Soccer I know. AM, that got they, my interest. They brought back Ken Moncow. <laughs> All right, a name from the past, and they just had Ken Moncow outside making pancakes. <laughs> And I thought that right. was quite funny. Wouldn't it be a great idea? I mean, imagine if we had a budget for this. We'd just get sort of fairly average footballers that we remember from our youth doing things that were nothing to do with their career. Yeah. Well, it'd certainly be an option, wouldn't it? I'd probably not pay to see that, but I'd maybe giggle about it when someone told me. Marcelo, Marcelino makes fajitas. Yeah, no, that's, that's also a good one. Uh, who else? There's actually loads. Uh, Clarence Acuna. 
uh, could be um, making uh, beans. Yeah. Well, talking about um, talking about former players that we remember from our childhood doing things that we might not have expected them to do, uh, I've been reading this morning about a former World Cup winning member of uh, France's 1998 squad uh, who is planning to run naked through the streets of um, Evian in uh, France. That's a, that's a drink you're thinking of, that, Paul. Yes, it's also a place, believe it or not. I do do some research for this. Um, you did say do-do as well, so that's one for our younger <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, hi, younger listeners. Uh, he also won Euro 2000. Uh, I'm trying to think of ways I can give you clues as to who it might be without actually giving it so he's away. he's French? Yes. Okay, tell me what position he played. Well, no, because you see, if I tell you that, you'll get it straight away. Oh, he so, in... he's, so he's a goalkeeper? No, he oh. was in defence. Okay. Uh, is it Frank LeBeuf? It's not. He was very, very small. Is it Lizarazu? It is, yeah. It's Bixtante Lizarazu. Uh, and um, apparently because um, last July, Evian were promoted uh, from the third division in France. And he said, um, they, they said to him, and he's, he's a, a shareholder of the club and he's, he's his local club. And they said, what will you do if you get promoted again next year? And he said he'd run naked through the streets of Evian. Uh, and uh, French Channel TF1 asked him if he would keep the promise because it happened. You know, they, they, <laughs> they won. Uh, they won the title. Um, so it's two successive promotions. And he said, uh, "I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll keep my word, but I'm not going to call the international press, which is good of him, I think." Yes, no one wants to see that. Well, he's a very small man. Well, um, little Lizarazu is his name. Yeah, and now I'm not talking about all his physical attributes, and perhaps. Uh, you know, parts of him grew bigger than others, but I still don't think any of us want to really see that. It's interesting you say his local team is uh, Evian, whatever it was, uh, because he's <laughs> yeah. actually from the Basque region of Spain originally, I do believe. Oh, well, it says here local team. Oh, the local team, not sorry, not his local team. My apologies. Well, yeah. maybe there's something to that, because I know that he had a lot of problems with ETA, <laughs> the Basque separatist group, who were claiming that he should have played for the Basque nation in their ridiculous friendlies that they play. And I know yes. he, was, he wasn't particularly keen on that. And I think looking back on his career, he made the right decision. I, I'm, I'm going to say he did, yeah. But interesting enough, and I just do seem to remember that, so I, I don't know where, maybe it's where he lives now. But um, yeah. yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a shareholder there, but it, yeah, it does say the local club, um, obviously because he's talking about the streets of Evian. So yes, that is a good shout. Well spotted. Well, if I, could, if I could quote my, uh, my boss, it would be, do your research properly. There we are. Uh, now, Ooh, we must move on to uh, Danny Wilson, or as he pronounces his own name. Paul, would you like to give us your own rendition of Danny Wilson saying his own name? Danny Wilson. Yeah, that's right. It's Danny Wilson. So, uh, Sheffield United had uh, named Danny Wilson as their new manager on a three-year contract, which is... Uh, it's gone down well, hasn't it? Oh, it's gone down brilliant. I mean, if I had been in Sheffield, I would have been there protesting, as I'm sure you're not surprised. I'm not surprised. Well, you know, I mean... When I when I first, initially I always sort of associated um, Danny Wilson with doing all right at Barnsley, and I'd completely forgotten at this point about his connection to another Sheffield club, uh, who shall remain nameless. And so it made me realise that you know that's probably why people are not over the moon at his appointment. Well, you say he did well at Barnsley. All I seem to remember is he got them promotion at the expense of Sheffield United, <laughs> took right. them up. They got hammered at the start of their premiership season. I mean, I remember Radio Sheffield or Hallam FM, whatever it was that was covering the games, would actually stop covering at half-time because it was so embarrassing. They would yeah. be getting already beaten 5 or 6 nil, and they'd just go and cover I, another game instead. I remember them taking 5 or 6 at uh, Highbury. Once. Yeah, they did. Um, they got a bit better towards the end when they signed Jan Fjortov. From, from Sheffield United. United. So <laughs> Danny does not, you know, even just in that, just in the Barnsley time, he took a team up, took them down. 
first season. Well, we've already had a manager that, that did that, and he was a blade. You know, if we if we're going to just get True. someone who can do that, let's get him back. I'm sure he'd be interested. <clears throat> well, like we said last uh, like we said last week, he's not going to keep his job at QPR all season, is he? So no, he's not. So let's just hang on. Let's have no one in charge until that point. It can't be worse than what happened last <laughs> season. <laughs> I was going to say, let's you know, no offense, but it couldn't get it couldn't get much what, more. What uh, could possibly they go down again? Well, that's what we're expecting now, anyway. So let's just let's, let's put Chris Morgan in charge, and you know see what happens. At least he understands the club. But uh, Danny Wilson has uh, not had the greatest track record, with all due respect. And even if you you know don't really care about the Blades and Sheffield Wednesday rivalry, and I would say if you don't, by the way, care about that rivalry, then what is the point of having a rivalry? You know? yeah, There's no point in having a rivalry if you're just going to appoint people from the other side, if you're going to sign their players. You know, oh, yeah, OK, Del Geary did all right, but he's not from Sheffield. He's not a Sheffield Wednesday fan. He's from Ireland, OK? We can let the Quinn thing go. Lee Bromby's a Leeds fan. We're not signing Sheffield Wednesday fans and getting yeah. them to play for us. We're just getting people that got paid by the club. And to be honest, if Sheffield Wednesday were going to pay me a load of money, I'd happily take their money, play rubbish, and watch them go even further into administration. But... Yes, you've said before how uh, willing you'd be to contribute to that uh, <laughs> to that demise. Yeah, yeah. But Danny Wilson, he he's actually not from Sheffield originally, and that might stand him in some in some eyes anyway. In a little bit of better stead, he's from Wigan initially, and he has still got that Lancashire accent, and that might just well, help. There's him. nothing nothing people in Sheffield like more than somebody from Lancashire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, although you know we we've talked before about how they were they weren't that receptive to our chance at uh, the Bolton match were they so maybe they don't mind maybe they're I not mean, that bothered in, in all seriousness if you know I saw Tyrone talking about this on Twitter the other day if if he does okay if he does a good job will people I imagine people will look past the, the Wednesday connection will they yeah I if think he, if so he took you, if he took you back up I mean I know it's all what if what if but. If he took you back up, surely people would be all right with him. Yeah, there's, he's done. yeah. I mean, really, no one cares if the team's winning. But I think a lot of people were disappointed, not because it's Danny Wilson from Sheffield Wednesday, which they should be, and that should be all that matters. They, yeah. were, they were concerned because his track record's really poor. Yeah. And we were, we, were, we were told by our manager, sorry, by our chairman, Kevin McKay, that we would get a manager that would unite the fans and bring us success. And hmm. I just cannot see how this appointment, when we had some big names banded about, and we got a little excited. Chris Hewton was mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Roberto Di Matteo. I would have loved to see Bob Matthews taking over Sheffield United. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Paul Tilsdale. I would like to see the Exeter manager take over. There were some big names thrown in there, and we got a little excited. Danny Wilson came out of left field, and you know, after being sacked by Swindon and then getting that team relegated, that for me is not what you're looking for on the CV. No, and I I, I agree with you. I think uh, if you're going to come out and make a promise like that, you've got to then make good on it, haven't you? But uh... I suppose it's you know I always feel a little bit with new managers you know it happened with um, with Pardew and I know that's massively different because he wasn't a Sunderland fan but um, you know people sort of went ballistic slagging him off and and just predicting that he would do a terrible terrible job and I think the jury's still out on that really because we didn't finish any higher than we were with um, Chris Hewton. You sort of just so, pitted along, didn't you? There was peaks and troughs and uh, yeah, the last game but, of the season I think summed up your whole season. I think I think it did really. But you know, by the same token, you asked me last week who had our, who was our flop of the season, and unless I'd really wanted to be churlish about it, I couldn't really think of one. So what about Perch? Yeah, well, we did say Perch in the end, and I think Scholar's had his day. Really, I mean, we've got we've got another we've got two Amiobis on the pitch now at some point, and that's just not good for anybody. <laughs> um, maybe the rapture has begun after all. Well, you know, we've now got two Montgomerys at Sheffield United. So, oh God, you know, it's just getting worse and worse. We don't know which way to turn. But by the same token, I didn't want to jump on the bandwagon of slagging Pardew off before he'd done anything. And 
And maybe, you know, maybe Wilson will turn out all right. But I have to say, if you're going to make a, a promise to the fans that he's going to unite them... Well, he has united some fans, record. but it's on the other side of Sheffield. Um, <laughs> Danny yeah. is going to be aided by Chris Morgan, which I think will help a few things. It'll smooth a few yeah. things out. But, you know, you mentioned if he does well, you know, will the fans forgive him? Let's flip yeah. that coin. Yeah. I mean, if we start badly... Yeah. I mean, there's going to be fighting on the terraces. There's, it's going to be a bloodbath. This guy's, you know, the, to make it so difficult for the new manager straight off the bat by our chairman mm. is so unfair on Danny. You know, he, he, he's, in, he's almost in a no-win because there's some fans that will never forgive him and we could yeah. win the premiership and they won't even care because he's a pig. So it'll, it'll never matter. And then there's yeah. the others that'll be like, well, I'll see how well he does. And then when he starts to do badly... Yeah. He's he's the worst thing in that he's the biggest pig ever. We hate him. We never wanted him. It'll be Brian yeah. Robson all over again. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's like you say. It's very unless he starts in the most, you know, really out of the blocks, unbelievable fashion, which you know obviously could happen. But if he starts with a defeat or the first home defeat of his reign, you know, it's it's going to be. Uh, like you say, it's going to be fairly tortuous, isn't it? Well, that first home game will be quite sparsely attended. A lot of season tickets have been returned. Um, this might shock you. I haven't renewed my season ticket for the first time, I think, since we've known each other. Wow. Uh, just, just due to this sort of this nonsense. And uh, the youth team did very, very well. I know they eventually yeah. lost to Manchester United, but one of the star players was Jordan Slew. Uh, Fulham reported to be interested in signing Slew, which would be a real shame. I think having only played sort of five games for the first team... It would it would smack of Carl Walker all over again, and I think that would be yeah. probably too much actually. Now, in the fragile state of our fan base, I think that would be too much to bear at the moment. Yeah, and you got you you do sort of wonder are people going to be able to resist the call of clubs like that? But you know, you, you, we know what happens to players when they make the moves too early. It, it can completely torpedo their career. So, if you've got a loyal fan base and a club that's putting a lot of effort into you, I think now would be a. a a bridge too soon, I think. Well, a great example of that, Paul, that's a really good point. A great example of that would be, let's look at two examples here. Someone who stayed and then went and someone who went. Someone who stayed and then went, Phil Jagielka. Yeah. yeah. Did his apprenticeship, left a little late on, you know, sort of 24, 25 before he went mm-hmm. to Everton. Had offers from Wigan before, £4 million, didn't, didn't go. And then someone who went a little early, Wayne Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Still arguably in the peak of his career, currently playing in Cornwall, I think running a caravan park. Um, yeah. And he went to Newcastle, didn't he, for big money? He did, yeah, and and, and ne- it never really, it never really came off for him. Whereas, like you say, Jagielka, I mean, you know, people were saying, but obviously, people were saying, oh, who's this unheard of uh, Phil Jagielka who's suddenly playing for Everton? But even with my limited knowledge of the lower leagues, I knew all about him because of, of being friends with you. And I was saying to them for ages, well, he's a, he's a he's a special player, you know, you have got to keep an eye out for him. Yeah, but we saw we thought that as well with Lee Morris. Curtis Woodhouse, you know, the, the, there is a sort yeah, of endless true. list of players we've actually, we've mugged a bit of money off one or two clubs in fairness. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. the amount of money we got for Lee Morris, at the time I think it was like maybe not even 98, 99, I think we got £3.5 million from Derby for Lee Morris. That's a decent show. It's a de- I think he's playing at Yeovil now, don't quote me on that, maybe even Hereford, it's somewhere like that, I can't keep up with that, but incredible. Great stuff. Well, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about Stephen Decuto? Because you've been talking to him uh, about this 92 and 92 thing, haven't you? Yeah, Stephen is a wonderful fella. He's a fellow Blade. He'll be just as good as I am about the Danny Wilson debacle. But I did this interview with him before that news actually reached us. And uh, I think it's pretty much surmised in the whole piece. But um, Stephen's a good bloke. And I think what I would say is, while you're listening to this, just just think about what he's doing. And if you can give anything, please give generously because it's a wonderful cause. But I will let uh, Stephen and uh, uh, pre-Hal during the time of the interview, old Hal, Hal from yeah. a, a week ago, he'll tell you all about it. 
My name is Dean Gordon. You are listening to the Helen Paul Football Log. 92 grounds in 92 hours. It sounds like a dream become reality for any football fan. But for Matt Bailey, Emma Bird and my guest today on the Helen Paul Football Log, Stephen DeCuto, it's reality. Stephen, welcome to the log. Thank you very much. Now, we've got to start here. There's quite a story to get through. Can you begin by telling Matt Bailey and his wife Terry's story? January 2010, they gave birth to a young girl, Taylor May, who was born Down syndrome. This was unexpected. So it turned uh, basically life upside down. It was, it was quite a shock to them all. It took everybody by surprise, basically. Yeah. But a few days later, the, there was a website set up on Facebook, uh, Time for Taylor May. And the response we got from that, from the membership and everything over, you know, within a few days, was like a, a thousand plus members, uh, which were a great inspiration. And from that, basically, the idea came about of doing some, some shouty work, uh, which Matt, Matt's already done some like with uh, skydiving last year in mm. Swansea Bay. There was talk of Kilimanjaro, still on his agenda, but we don't know when. But it was mid-March when, uh, when we came to the conclusion of uh, 92 and 92. How on earth did you get roped into this, Stephen, as just a friend? Uh, you, you seem like you're saying the possibility of Kilimanjaro. Surely you must be thinking, all right, look, I'll do the cycle, but then leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I did join the gym when Kilimanjaro came about, but I've not kept to it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, Matt's, I'm Matt's best friend, basically. He lives in, in South Wales, but we met on holiday about 13 years ago uh, in Falaraki, and we've been long-time uh, friends since. Well, we, we should point out at this stage that you're a Sheffield United fan, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, Matt, is he also a Blade? He's an honorary Blade. He's actually a Leicester City fan. Oh, He's dear. actually an honorary Blade. He has been to a few few matches, been to both playoff finals. Right, so it's him. He, he's the bad luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although he didn't, he didn't go to the Cardiff game when we clinched promotion. Oh, uh, right. So, you know, there was some luck along the way there. Yeah, that's a good point. So what exactly does the 92 clubs in 92 hours entail? Basically, we're starting at Swansea. We've got a sponsored vehicle and we'll be going around every single club, uh, league club in England and Wales, taking a photo out, outside each ground. So we basically get to a club, get out of the car, take a photo with our banners and whatever we've got, you know, what, what people may want us to sponsor them for, you know, and then get in the car and go to the next club. We're also writing to all the clubs as well. Or we've wrote, wrote to all the clubs and we've got a response from a, you know, quite a few clubs at the moment, some memorabilia to do a charity auction at the end of it to raise extra funds for the Down syndrome. Fantastic. You've had sort of a, a bit of an overwhelming response from professional clubs thus yeah, far, haven't you? As soon as the emails went out, I mean, we sent them out uh, on the Thursday night, on the Friday morning, we, we got quite a few emails from State Bike. But our, our biggest one at the moment is Liverpool's uh, stadium tour. Uh, we've got four tickets for the stadium tour and also their uh, museum. Uh, Sheffield United have also uh, promised to give us four VIP tickets for the director's suite. Fantastic. As well as uh, side shirts and other memorabilia. And, and as a blade, you know, that, I've, I've explained some as a blade like I like them to be a bit of a front runner in this campaign. We've got you and Roberts from Norwich. He'll be uh, meeting us at Norwich Ground as well. Oh, brilliant. He'll be handing over a shirt as well as uh, they've got a charity for some childcare. So they'll be doing like a photo shoot for that. Steve Walsh from Leicester also managed to get us all of the shirt. Uh, Blackburn, we've already received a shirt from Blackburn with. Uh, with a certificate of authentication. authentication. Yeah. Wolves have uh, offered a pendant. We've got Northampton have ordered, uh, offered us some tickets, some vouchers for tickets. Dagenham and Redbridge, will, they've, we've just got to let them know what time we'll be there, and they'll sort some goodies out as well. Paul will be wanting to know if, if Newcastle have offered anything. 
At the moment, no. We're oh, well, there we are. Newcastle. What a surprise. <laughs> I mean, this is great. So even the ones that said that they couldn't offer you anything because they've already got pre-existing charities, they've said, you know, you can pop around the ground and take yeah. a photo. You're quite welcome to go to the ground. Um, Everton have said we can even go in the ground and take a picture this time. But it all, all depends on what time we get there. So if it's like late tonight, obviously, because we're going to be driving constantly. Yeah. We're not going to get into the ground. But if we get there at a reasonable hour, there's possibility we can go in the stand and take a photo actually in the ground. Are you the kind of blade that likes to tick off the away grounds that you've been to? Yeah, no. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's one or two of us out there that have been to a lot of grounds. You're going to get them all done. You know, you're just no one else is ever going to be able to compete with this. When you're ever in the pub, someone's saying, well, I've been at 62 grounds. You can say, well, I just did them like that, all of them. <laughs> well, that is, yeah. I mean, initial, the initial plan was 72 hours, but, you know, we changed our mind on that one. Well, that doesn't have a ring to it either, does it? No. So, I mean, you know, it's... <laughs> Luckily, when it first came, it was, it was basically a brainwave from Matt Bailey. Yeah. I accepted his challenge. <laughs> Who, who's Emma Bird? Emma Bird is uh, Matt Bailey's and my friend. And who's she support? She's actually, from what, I'm, from what I gather, she's a big rugby fan. She's now a blade because she actually has been mentioned in the, the Barsley programme. Oh, wonderful. I'll have a little look at mine when I get back later. Well, they know I'm very impartial here on the football log and I never mention my passion for the Blades. So uh, we'll move swiftly on and find out that how can people, if they've been listening to this thing, and this is wonderful, how can they find out more and support you? We have an official website. It's called the 92 in 92.com and the 92 is actually the numbers. So it's the 92 in 92 figures, yep. Fantastic. And every single... uh, We've got the sponsorship, the corporate sponsorship page. We've got a blog. We've got photos. A link to our shop, which is actually currently selling the limited edition badges that we've specifically made for this challenge. And also, the, the, obviously, the charity auction will be built upon that as well. Well, you've got, you've got the colour scheme wrong on there, but apart from that, you're right. It's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link to that on our Facebook yeah. page as well. well. I'd just like to point out the green and white is actually the official Down Syndrome Association colours, which this is what, you know, that's why we call that... Uh, Fair enough. Do you know what? I might let you off then. (laughs) That's about that, because otherwise I'll feel bad. Uh, Stephen, (laughs) it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. We want to wish you, Matt Bailey, and Emma Bird doesn't really like football. All the very best in 92 grounds. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Good point. 92 grounds in 92 hours. It sounds fantastic. I wish you all the very best of luck. Thanks again. Thank you very much. Hi, it's Gaisa Mendieta, and you're listening to Haaland Paul Football Log. Stephen Dakuto. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. What a guy. That was a crack, cracking interview, mate. And uh, like you say, a, good, a great cause and something that we can all uh, hopefully get involved with a little bit. Excellent. And what a nice idea as well. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. And and something that I think people often, I imagine when they're kids or, or even uh, older football fans go, oh, you know, it'd be great to do um, that, and they they just don't. What should we um, do? We should do something for, maybe not necessarily for charity, but um, we should do something no, for no, ourselves. No, for charity. no not, for, so stupid. not for charity, but we should do something. We should do something like that. We should... Uh, we well, should. We were going to go to. Uh, we we're going to drive to Germany, weren't we, for a match? We should. We should still do that. We we should score a hat trick in every major Premier League ground during a game. <laughs> That's what we should during do. Game. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're, we're, we're both twenty eight. We're both approaching the uh, you know peak of our years as a striker. You're currently in fantastic physical shape, so I think that's yes. that's a good idea. I'm in fantastic shape if I'm entering a sack competition, as in who looks most like a sack. I would be in the best shape of my life. life. Uh, that's certainly true. Not so, even the yeah, sack race. Be... You're just the who looks most like a sack competition. I would love to see you enter a competition like that. If that competition doesn't already exist, <laughs> let's create that competition and get that medal home where it belongs. 
Ladies and gents, if you want to get in touch with us about me looking like a sack or anything else really that's mentioned in this, if you want to talk about any of the issues raised in this or any other log, you can email us at football underscore log at yahoo.co.uk. You can tweet us at twitter.com slash football log. You can Facebook us, um, pokers and all that kind of uh, sexual innuendo at facebook.com slash the Hall and Paul football log or something like that. Just type it in. You'll find it. <laughs> nice. And um, this, is, this is the last log of the official season, but I imagine we'll keep... Um, you know, knocking our heads together at some point to chat about this and that. But if not, we will be back uh, very soon. And uh, as always, the pleasure was all yours. <laughs> Nicely said. It's tatar from me, and bye bye from him. Oh, that'll catch on. Let's let's keep that. All right. All right. <laughs>